I'd like to share with you just a few words from the book of Ruth. When Naomi said that she was going to return to her homeland, Ruth responded to Naomi by saying, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Today we start a a journey of talking about loyalty and what it means to be loyal in our culture. And those words from Ruth spoke to me this week as I thought about what it means to be loyal to family and friends. But most importantly, what it means that God is loyal to us and never leads our side. And so this morning as we begin worship, as we begin to enter into a space of letting go of our day, of letting go of our week, of letting go of our past, and focusing solely on Christ and what God has done for us, I invite you to consider how God has been loyal to you and how you have been loyal to God over this last week. We're in a series um, titled Forgotten Virtues, and in the series we're looking at five different virtues that seem to be lost in our culture today. Um, We've talked about honor and what it means to honor um, people in our lives. Today we're going to take a look at loyalty, and and I started the worship service by sharing um, that passage from from Ruth because it's a a well-known passage about what it means to be loyal. I come from a family where loyalty is of the utmost importance, and um, so honor and integrity are very important to me in my life. And so we're going to look at probably the most well-known account of loyalty, sorry, we're talking about loyalty, of loyalty um, in the Bible, and what happened when someone claimed to be loyal and was not loyal. Um, and then we're gonna, I'm going to share a story that may be one of the most unknown stories of loyalty, but is a very good illustration of what it means to be loyal um, when you don't have to be. And that's going to come from the Old Testament this morning. But before we get to that point, I would invite you to join me for a moment of prayer as we prepare our hearts this morning. Holy God, we come before you this morning with a sense of worship on our hearts, the desire to praise you and bring glory and honor to you and to you alone. God, we ask that you would move in this place in the way that only you can, that you would move in our hearts and lives, that you would be present. Lord, where there is healing needed, Lord, that you would heal. Where we need comforting, Lord, that you would comfort. But most importantly, Lord, that you would be present in this worship, Lord, and in our lives. Use the words, use the music, use the silence this day. It's in your son Jesus' holy name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. So how many of you would agree that in society today, disloyalty is a significant problem? How many would agree? Show, just show of hands, how many of you would agree disloyalty is a problem? Okay. Just about everybody raised their hands. Um, 
So, the need has been established. Now, let me ask you another question, and I would like you to be honest with me. Um, Honesty is good. How many of you, for the most part, would say that you're a pretty loyal person? Would you, would you raise your hand if, that, if you would call yourself a loyal person? Just look around the room real quick at the people around you. Um, all right. Do you see kind of the tension associated to that? We all say that disloyalty is a, is a, is a significant problem, and yet all of us are basically loyal people, which means somewhere... Not here, there's a church full of disloyal people out there somewhere. Probably churches full of disloyal people. Disloyalty is very difficult to see in the mirror. We like to say, yeah, I, I'm loyal to you, but, I'm, I'm, but if I'm ever not loyal, it's because you deserve it. Because you pushed me beyond, beyond my limits. Because my loyalty only goes so far. Disloyalty is truly a big problem, and it's it's very difficult to see in the mirror. And I'll I'll give you probably the the most well-known biblical example of disloyalty. Um, If you look in the New Testament, there is one person who would have claimed loyalty to Jesus above all else, above everything else, and that was Peter. Peter, um, over and over again, said, Jesus, I got your back. Um, I'll never, I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I'm your man, Jesus. I'm your guy. All these other people, all these other believers, all these other followers, they may abandon you, but I will never leave you, Jesus. But in Matthew 26, we find Peter declare, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. But Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insists, even if I have to die with you, I will never, never, everyone say never, never. Oh, okay, that was weak. Everyone say never, never. I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same thing. Now, Peter said that even if everyone else falls away, everyone else falls away, I will never I won't do that. I am completely loyal. I will never disown you. I am completely loyal to you. I promise, cross my heart, hope to die, pinky swear. Right? That's how loyal Peter was. And and most of us know the rest of the story. And if you don't, he didn't. But before the evening was over, three different people come up to Peter and say, Hey, weren't you with that guy, Jesus? Didn't you know him? Peter's, no, not me. Jesus, who, who? I don't know that guy. No, not me. And after the third denial, the rooster crows, and the Bible says in Matthew 26, 75, suddenly Jesus' words flash through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter went away weeping bitterly. Here's what we need to understand. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. True loyalty is proven and not proclaimed. 
I just asked, are you basically a loyal person? And almost all of us said, absolutely. I am absolutely a loyal person, and I totally agree that disloyalty is a significant problem today, and it's not me. Proverbs 26 says, Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? We must learn as as followers of Christ not just to talk the talk, but to actually walk the walk. And I know that's cliche, but it's true. When I think of moments of, of genuine loyalty, I think about people like Pee-wee Reese. Um, I wasn't alive in 1947, but in 1947, Pee-wee Reese and uh, Jackie Robinson were both playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, that's baseball, if, if um, you didn't know. Um, and they were very, very good friends. As you know, Jackie Robinson was the first American, African-American baseball player to break the race barrier in the game which is very significant. His own teammates turned against him. His fans turned against him. They wrote death threats. They did horrible things simply because of the color of the skin. When Brooklyn was playing in Cincinnati, Jackie Robinson was playing second base and Pee Wee Reese was on shortstop. And the crowd started throwing things, booing, and they were yelling, you know, obscenities and... and, um, They were yelling at Jackie Robinson. And his white friend, the shortstop Pee Wee Reese, took off his glove, he threw it to the ground, and he walked over to the second baseman, his good friend, Jackie Robinson, and he looked up at the booing crowd and and he put his arm around Jackie. Some of you know this because it's, it's baseball history. The crowd went completely silent, and Jackie Robinson later said that it was one that that one simple act did more to save his career than anything else. But in but in reality, it did more than that. It, it saved him in more ways than we could ever really know. And it was such an important and special moment in history that even they even made a statue to honor and symbolize the loyalty between two very special friends. You see, loyalty is proven; it's not just proclaimed. That's the monument of Jackie Robinson and Pee Wee Reese. In the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel, there's a story that demonstrates genuine loyalty as well. And it's perhaps a story that you may have never heard of before, and it's about the loyalty between a soldier and a king. And that king is, of course, King David, Um, But let me give you the context of this story before we dive into it. King David had a son named Absalom, and he was the third son. Not the first, but the third. As a third son, I understand the the issues with being third-born in a family. Absalom had some issues. And he committed a a major crime, Absalom did. He, He murdered someone. And he went on the run for his life. He was afraid, and even though David was faithful to him, King David was faithful to his son, 
But about three years later, Absalom returned with a big army with the intent of overthrowing his father and taking over the throne. David had been faithful to Absalom, and yet Absalom was, was disloyal to his father. And so now King David goes on the run. And David's on the run for his life, trying to save his life. And then we meet this guy named Ittai, who is basically a mercenary. Ittai is a mercenary, and he's a hired guy, a hired gun, and he, he was a commander of 600 men. And Ittai, though he had no real skin in the game, it wasn't his fight. He volunteered to fight on behalf of King David. And so we're going to jump into the story um, in 2 Samuel 15, verse 19 and following. So the king, King David, turned and said to Ittai, a leader of the men from Gath, why are you coming with us? Go back to King Absalom, for you are a guest in Israel, a foreigner in exile. You arrived only recently, and, and should I force you today to wander with us? I don't even know where we will go. Go back and take your kinsmen with you, and may the Lord show you his unfailing love and faithfulness. Basically, King David is giving Atai a, a, a free pass. This isn't your fight, man. Go home. You, don't, you have no reason to go and fight this fight. You have no reason to be loyal at this point. But watch his loyalty. But Atai said to the king, I vow by the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever my Lord and king goes, no matter what happens, whether it means life or death. Not only did he proclaim his loyalty, but he proved it as he led his 600 men in battle and fought faithfully, so faithfully that later David elevated him to be in charge of his of a third of his troops, because David, King David embraced this virtue of loyalty. No matter what it costs me, no matter what everyone thinks of me, no, even if it costs me my whole life, he was not loyal up to a point. He was not conditionally loyal. His loyal, loyalty was with David forever. See, loyalty like that is a forgotten virtue. The Bible offers us many ways that we can reclaim this forgotten virtue of loyalty. Three primary relational growth areas that the Bible specifically addresses where our loyalty is concerned is to our, to our partners, to our friends, and to our church. And while there are more, and there are many more, these three are where we're going to begin this morning. And I want to jump over to the book of Malachi. Um, and we're going to talk about partners first. In Malachi 2, we find these words, Did, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to your wife of your youth. So obviously we're, we're talking about marriage when I say partners right now. But if you're not married, it's okay. This still applies because loyalty is good whether you're single or married or engaged or disengaged or unmarried or any of the above. 
Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? Didn't the Lord make you one with your husband? Didn't the Lord make you one with your spouse? Some may call it old-fashioned, I know, but, but in reality, it's not old-fashioned. It's actually what, the, what we in the church world call biblical. I know, don't throw your Bibles. Something we're called to do by God. Our culture today makes it very easy to get married and divorced wherever, whenever there's an issue in our relationship. And I'm not condemning anyone for being divorced. There are many reasons a divorce should happen. Um, Biblically, God lays out rules for justifiable divorce. And for those of you who have experienced it, who have lived through it, or are in it right now, you understand that some relationships are not the way God intended them to be. And there's only one way out of it. And so you understand more than anyone else. What I want you to hear is not God condemning but God's heart breaking as our hearts break. Because Malachi goes on in the next verse and says, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I think that paints a good picture of why God doesn't like divorce. Because it breaks people. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your spouse. It's the heartbreaking that's that's the worst part. The misconception that many face in our culture today is that the most important thing we as individuals are supposed to do is to be loyal to ourselves. And we've talked about this before, but it's just not true. If it were, then either partner would be in their, in their right to just walk away at any point in their relationship and they were not happy. But Christian marriage is a covenant, so look at, let's look at some of these key words from this verse for just a minute. And if you're not married, as I said, it's okay. This is going to help in dating life and, 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 and searching and, and identifying what your significant other is like and are they honoring you, are they demonstrating loyalty are you demonstrating loyalty to them? Scripture says in, in Malachi, to guard your heart and remain loyal to your spouse. It says, guard your heart, do not be unfaithful. See, loyalty and faithfulness go hand in hand. Today, I see relationships fall apart through passive-aggressive talk and sarcasm or some other form of verbal abuse more than a lot of other things. People picking apart their partners with jokes in public, then laughing them off. (laughs) I was just joking. Then, and yet knowing full well that it cuts deep to the person that we've claimed to love. Demeaning comments that are made in front of family members or belittling to a significant other. The easiest way to reclaim loyalty in a relationship, an intimate relationship, a close relationship, is to check your sarcasm and how you talk, what you say. Because all sarcasm is based out of some level of truth. Grow in loyalty in your relationships through what you say. A second area to reclaim loyalty in is with our friends. 
Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in a time of need. Disloyalty has no greater form in a friendship than through the expression of gossip. I know, that's a big one. No one likes it. Gossip can kill a relationship quicker than almost anything else. If someone trusts you enough to tell you something in confidence and you share it, your disloyalty to that friend has broken that relationship. So here's the rule about gossip. This is Tim's rule of gossip. Um, I don't know if you find it anywhere else, but if you did, I'm sure I came up with it first because there's nothing new under the sun. That's a joke. You don't have to laugh. It's okay. If you're not a part of the problem and you're not a part of the solution, you shouldn't be a part of the conversation. If you're not a part of the problem and you're not a part of the solution, you shouldn't be a part of the conversation. That means if, if it didn't happen to you and you're not actively involved with working out the problem with the people involved, you shouldn't be talking about it. And if you find yourself talking about it, then it's gossip. That means if you're hearing about it, you're hearing gossip. If you're talking about it, you're spreading gossip and you're being disloyal. And it's a hard truth, but it's a truth nonetheless. Grow, grow in loyalty with French in your friendships by eliminating gossip from your relationships. The third group of people that the Bible tells us to be loyal to is the church. And when I say church, I mean the big C church and the little C church. The big C church means the church universal, Christianity as a whole, um, the church of Jesus Christ, the, the fellowship of believers. Um, the little C church means our local church, so that would be Redeemer Church. Loyalty to the church is all about devotion and faithfulness. It's, it's about not just having faith in Christ, but having the faith of Christ. Acts 2.42 says that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So the Bible says that the believers devoted themselves to the not only teachings, but to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. They did life together. They cared about each other, and there was unity. It goes on to say they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Loyalty to the church and to the people of Christ was expressed through the commitment that the believers shared with each other. There was a commitment to be present in worship, not just to attend, but to actually be present in worship. There was a commitment to place the needs of others before the self. Service and sacrificial living for others. Loyalty in the community of faith meant not consuming what the church had to produce, but instead meant producing what the world needed the church to be. And for the believers, the early believers, the focus wasn't on getting your needs met. What can I get out of the church? It was about meeting the needs of others. Disloyalty is a problem in our culture today because most of us don't think we're a part of the problem. We believe ourselves to be loyal people, and in all honesty, we are partly right in that assumption. We are very loyal people. The problem is, is that most of us are really only loyal to ourselves. 
I don't like to admit it, but I am. Sometimes I'm only loyal to myself. Are you? Let's try to bring this whole subject into focus in one statement that will kind of un- then we'll unpack it by looking at this question. What does di- where does disloyalty come from and what's it born out of? Where, do- where does it come from? So where does disloyalty come from? So all disloyalty is born out of a divided heart. All disloyalty is born out of a divided heart. Think about loyalty from God's perspective. God created us to show us his love and have an intimate, ongoing relationship with us. And he was so loyal that he, while we were still sinners, he, while we were still dis- disloyal to him, not living how we were supposed to, he sent his one and only son to die for our sins. Even when we were faithless, disloyal, he remains faithful and loyal to us. And here's what he asks of us. God asks for all, all, all of our hearts. A religious leader once asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Jesus says that God wants all of our hearts. And I can't speak for you, but what I can tell you tragically, he doesn't have all of mine. He doesn't. I'd like to tell you that he does. I truly do. I'd love to tell you that God has all of my heart. I would pray that he would. But if I look at the way I live, I have to acknowledge that I have a divided heart sometimes. Many, if we're honest, you might say the same thing. You might say, my heart is divided. But if that's all we do, is acknowledge we have a divided heart, we will never have a unified heart. Here's what James says, and I believe, I truly believe that if you open yourself to the Holy Spirit, that God is going to do something in your life this morning. If you would hear what God has to say in this, that God could do a work in you today that would change your life forever. We're very skilled at shaking off what God wants us to do. We're really good at that. Some will be able to shake this off and life will be just normal, we'll leave and and, and everything's okay and this won't matter to anybody, but I pray that some, someone may hear this and that God will transform and work because God wants to say something to you. James says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, O sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Imagine the power of that. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you.
let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. When we get close to God and we see His goodness and see our own unfaithfulness and our own disloyalty, if it doesn't grieve us and drive us to our knees to a point of repentance, then something is very, very wrong. James says, let it drive you to tears. To a deep repentance. That God has been perfectly faithful to us. And yet our loyalty is divided between a little bit of him and so much of the world. I want God, but I want my stuff. I want a little bit of God, and I want what I want. I want to be loyal, but only as long as it works for me. Let there be a deep repentance. And I don't know where you need to go from here. But I would imagine that some will need to go to their spouse or their family and say, it hurts me deeply, but I have been disloyal. I have belittled you. I have torn you down. I have been unfaithful with my eyes. I have been unfaithful with my actions. With the power of Christ, I'm going to be loyal to you. For some, it may be your friends. And we say, I haven't been a good friend. I haven't been there for you. I haven't been praying for you. I haven't been there in your life as I should have been. I haven't I've been, too, been too consumed with my own life. But I will be faithful by the power of the Holy Spirit. I will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother, I will be faithful. I will say that there are those who have been faithful to the church. You recognize that you are the church, and I, and I praise you for that. Still, there are some that are just going to church. We are called to be the church. And yet you feel or see the church as a place to go. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray we will all become the church and be loyal to Christ's church for which he bled and died. And then some may have that aching feeling that we've been disloyal to him. And that's okay. It's okay that we feel hurt. And it's okay that we cry. And it's okay to get on our knees and say to God, cleanse me, change me, heal me. 
because I recognize that disloyalty is a problem in our culture, but when I look in the mirror through the word of God, I see that disloyalty is actually a big problem in me. And with the help and power of God through his Holy Spirit because of the death and resurrection of his son, we don't have to live with a divided heart. Even when we mess up, God is still and always faithful. Ready for us to come back, to seek him with all our hearts, even if we're not there yet. Through grieving and repentance, we get just a little bit closer. Just a little bit. Let's pray. God, we acknowledge that disloyalty is a significant issue in our culture today. But not only that, in our lives as well. So we ask that you would help us to see in the mirror any part of unfaithfulness within us. God, free us from the guilt that we live in. But let us feel enough of the pain to push us to serious repentance before you. We thank you that your forgiveness is real and that your healing is with us. Empower us to embrace and to live, not just to proclaim, but to prove by our actions loyalty to the people and God ultimately to you with everything in us. It's in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen.